Welcome back to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Ben Ward of Orange Goblin. Orange Goblin is about to undertake a mini tour of the U.S., their first in five years, including a stop at the Muddy Roots Festival in Tennessee. Orange Goblin is currently on tour supporting their 2018 release, The Wolf Bites Back, out now on Candlelight Records. Check it out. Orange Goblin, it's a pleasure, sir. How have you been? Uh, very well. Um, yes, sunny uh, London. We've had a really hot couple of weeks, so um, I'm looking forward to getting to the US and actually cooling down a bit, which is something I thought I'd never say. But um, yeah, all kids here. I'm uh, busy with summer playing festivals and sophisticated genres, and we're looking forward to getting over to the US and playing for the. Indeed, it's been a minute. Obviously, uh, you know, writing and recording in the meantime for the Wolf Bites Back, an amazing record. Yeah. Um, besides that, was there any other reasons uh, you couldn't get over? We've heard a lot of uh, horror stories about visas and things. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of the main reason. I mean, going back to the Unity for the Damned album off the back of that. We toured the States quite a bit. We did the uh, we did a full eight week tour with Clutch. Then we came back and did a headline tour with Holy Grail. Um, then we were back a year later supporting Down. And I mean, with the the cost and everything, it wasn't really financially viable for us. We were losing money hand over fist, so we had to sort of step and take stuff from what we were doing. And it worked for you know, a place of not wanting to talk space, it was just a case of we, we think we cannot afford to do it unless we, you know, take a step back, buy everything up and give it a bit of time and then, you know, look at how we tour America. So, um, our booking agent there was really patient with us and I've got to say, he's done a fantastic job of organising this tour. We always said that we wanted to make it very few select dates, uh, make it more of an occasion and, um, you know, he's the logistics involved, he's handled it brilliantly. So, um, yeah, this is how we wanted to do it, and I think this is going to be the, uh, the best. And now it's kind of opened up the possibility of us coming back more often again. If this goes well, then we should say we can't come back and do, you know, sort of two years or a year, doing it this way, you know, not, not so many shows at one go because we all work day jobs, we all work families, and we can't afford to be on the road. You know, eight months of the year like we used to. So we're uh, we're happy with how it's worked out. I hear you, and I, I think maybe the fans don't often appreciate uh, the veteran bands and how hard it is to get out here. And you can't, you know, you can't your your home life doesn't stop because you're on tour. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you post your dates on your social media pages, you know, you've got people coming saying like, "Come to play in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, whatever." Yeah, there may only be them and their two mates that they've heard of Orange Goblin but in the whole sort of town but they they think for some reason that we have to go there but um, it's not the case it's, it's, there's a lot of costs involved but as you say the, the regular fans don't understand I mean just for, for British bands to come to America we have to get these visas approved and we were, before we even started we are talking about five brands in the whole space of visas then you've got our you know Transatlantic flights, then we've got a higher uh, transport, backline, crew, uh, get merch printed, arrange for the shipping, all that sort of thing. So you're talking about a massive investment of around $20,000 before you've even started. And, you know, you've got to make sure that throughout the course of the tour, you're going to make that money back. Otherwise, you know, you're going to end up 
completely in debt. But we kind of accepted that. Like I said, back in 2013, we, we just wanted to we really hit America hard and, and try and break it. But we realised that that wasn't the best, best way to do it. And I think being a little bit more subtle and a little bit more strategic is, is the way to go now. And um, as I say, hopefully this six-day talk could be like a launch pad of us being able to come you know, next year we can do sort of six to ten days on the east coast then come back and do six to ten days on the west coast then do sort of six to ten days through the midwest and uh, you know hopefully throughout the course of the year get to everybody and, and go and play those in the nowhere places in Ohio. Nice. Yeah, we'd love to see that. Uh, and I mean, and you're right, these shows are going to be very special. Um, we're very fortunate here in New York. We're going to get to see the Skull again, who've been here twice in the last year. Yeah. Fantastic band. Yeah. Mothership and Weed Eater on other dates, um, Wofad and Black Cobra on the, uh, later dates. So, I mean, really great. Yeah. And not to mention, I'm a huge fan of the Muddy Roots Festival. We've had some people down there. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about those guys. So, that's usually a fantastic time you guys are going to kill over there yeah I mean the Muddy Roots thing was what was the kind of anchor for this whole tour in the first place how did it come off when it came in and and we'd never heard of Muddy Roots um, and it's honest that was an agent that signed off kind of described what it was to us and it's a really interesting eclectic mix of kind of hip hop um, southern rock country music and a lot of sort of doom and stone and metal. And uh, the day we play, you know, you've got the likes of Pentagram, you're obsessed, I hate God. It's absolutely killer line. And then other days you've got MC50, the Dwarves, Avail and Off, and all this great sort of selection of music. So whatever it is you're into, um, you're going to find something there to enjoy. And I'm hoping that these kind of festivals are going to pop up all over the place because these are a great way for you know people to broaden their minds and, and explore other types of music, not be so kind of narrow-minded about stuff. I mean, it, I, I think it's great with the festivals with diversity on the, on the lineup. So you can go and sort of see something you wouldn't normally pay money for in a club. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a, a great show. And then, obviously, though, so we're really excited about the, the shows in the city as well. New York kicked off the tour, as you say, with... Uh, the skull and atomic bitch wax as well is going to be uh, amazing. So yeah, we're we're really excited about the whole thing. Oh, we love those guys too. So I, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's weird. We don't get uh, we're, America. We're just now starting to get these sort of destination festivals and not just that we're getting the festivals. We're getting the fandom of, of rock and metal fans are really getting kind of uh, accustomed to it, which, you know, you guys have been spoiled for many years with your, yeah. your bloodstocks and your downloads and your Hellfests and and, uh, yeah. and everything. You've been very fortunate. Do you have a favorite uh, festival that you've ever played? Like a festival moment? When you stood on stage and looked out at a lot of people that has stayed with you? Um, I think there's been a few of those over the years. Um, I mean, as you say, in Europe, we are very spoiled with choice with festivals. There's so many amazing festivals across the continent. In the UK, you've got the likes of Bloodstock and Download, and you've got Hellfest in France, you've got Graf in Copenhagen, Denmark, Sweden Rock, tons of rock in Norway, Resurrection Church. I mean, there's just Wacken in Germany, which is you know, 150,000 people. And they're, they're just amazing um, events every year. Um, obviously, for me, being being English and growing up watching the old Donington Monster of Rock, um, there'll always be a special place in my heart for playing Download Festival over that 
Castle Donington site, knowing that, you know, back the main stage, we opened the main stage in 2017, I think it was, I can't remember exactly. But, uh, yeah, to go out on that site, and, you know, all the boards that you think ACDC, um, Motorhead, Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest, all the, all the greatest bands that we grew up listening to have, have played, and you think, this is, this is what it's all about. When, when we started this band in our bedroom in 94, I the thought we'd be walking out here now and doing this, so... Yeah, that's, those are the sort of things that make it worthwhile. Indeed. Uh, you mentioned Copenhagen. I'm so excited about that uh, Merciful Fate reunion. Merciful Fate, oh, that. Gosh. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm again, I'm excited about that this afternoon. I've been posting on my Facebook startup. And I actually spoke to the guy Live Nation in Denmark yesterday about it because I want to, I have to pitch my bands to all these festivals as well. I think it's really indicative of the strength of the record. Uh, it came out last year. It's one of your best records. It's so, it's the most diverse Orange Goblin record, I think. I, I know it's probably Blasphemy. One of my favorite songs is The Stranger. And it's so... Yeah. It's not completely foreign, but it's so out of pocket and unique and and just um, almost kind of like a weird, doomy Springsteen. And I mean that as a compliment in the best way. Yeah. Um, no, it's so, I get that. It's kind of got that Nebraska Springsteen sort of feel to it. And that's the real Springsteen to me, the 70s. Yeah. Know, stuff like that so yeah. I really um, you know I really love those real left turns on the record yeah that's something we've never been afraid to do with Orange Goblin we've never kind of sort of wanted to be picking holders it's kind of like a stoner doom band or a stoner metal band we've always had a little bit of a extra string to our boat really um, that goes back to the first album there was always sort of there was bits that sounded like the doors bits that sounded like early Floyd and then you've got songs like Time Traveling Blues that have got that southern rock skin and kind of feel to it and you know we've just always never been afraid to incorporate things that we think sound good and when Joe come up with this idea for The Stranger he basically did say to us it's like two songs mashed together smashed together because they don't really sort of but then he came to the ideas they gave me this idea to, to do that kind of low spoken vocal almost like a big cave kind of king dude sort of thing and, and it just all came together really well and you know I, I think you know I always got something I think the producer going with he's like are you sure this is like an Orange Goblin song I was like yeah absolutely it's, you know definitely 100% an Orange Goblin song because it's you know a little bit out there in left field so yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you guys can pick up on that. Because not many people sort of mention those things, so that's, uh, that's really appreciated. Well, my pleasure, man, and I'm glad you mentioned Nick Cave is another favorite of mine, and even almost like a very evil Leonard Cohen, even. Like, so deep. Yeah, the, yeah. Your voice is really great for that kind of stuff. I hope you do well. You mentioned, like, the Springs. I love albums like The River and Nebraska and, um, what is it, the Ghost of... Um, I feel it as well. But, and then Tom White, stuff like Rain Dogs, you know, Nick Cave, uh, early albums, and Love and stuff like that. That's a massive influence on me as a kind of lyricist and a front man. You know, I love I love all that stuff. And Leonard Cohen, and, uh, yeah, a little bit of darkness in there. So. Indeed, so dark um, and so heavy. And then, of course, the rest of the record is your your typical brutal, heavy, sad, you know, just emotional OG Orange Goblin stuff that I love, man. Great job on that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the most natural sort of record to write. There was no preconceptions that we should have a theme or anything or any lyrical kind of uh, direction. It just, let's just 
see what music comes out and then let the music dictate what the lyrics are going to be. And, and it just all fell together really well. And I think that's another kind of reason that there was the five-year gap between albums. People always say, like, oh, you're struggling for ideas. It's not always struggling for ideas, but when you put out an album, it's, it's going to be your legacy and what people are going to sort of justify when you're dead and gone. And these sort of things are like, well, there's no point in rushing something. I don't like the idea of a band being on this album cycle where you have to write a record every two years and go out tour it and then write another record. If you haven't got them creative juices flowing at a certain time, you can't force it. You can't write your best material under that sort of pressure. So you just got to let the, the ideas flow and, and that's what we did with this record. And, and that's why I think the two strongest in our career are the Wolf Bites Back and Unity for the Dams that were both written off the back of those five minute gaps so we had no pressure to write and just let the idea flow. And uh, yeah, I think the Wolf Bites Back is definitely, it's kind of the most typical Orange Goblin, but it's also the most diverse Orange Goblin. And the production was probably the best we've ever had. And there's a little bit of everything in there. It completely incorporates all of our uh, influences. So yeah, we're really happy with it. Awesome. And a hundred percent agree about that production too, because you know, it's one thing to have really heavy, heavy guitars, but you want to not have them so muddy that you can't make out the riffs or you don't get the tone. Yeah. That's what I mean. Gomez does, does that brilliantly, probably better than anybody at the moment, which is why he's so in demand. You know, I think the first ghost album, he's done recent, he's worked with Older and uh, Paradise Lost, Cathedral, God knows who else. He's got this whole big the Beast Milk album. He's done so much diverse stuff as well. He's been doing this new, the ultimate stuff with Dave Vincent and the guy from Mayhem. So, you know, the guy, he's got such a good ear and such a good knowledge of his studio and the equipment that he uses that he can get the best out of everybody and adapt to any kind of genre of music. So, yeah, there's a real learning experience for us working with Gomez. You know, you think you've seen him done it all when you're nine albums at career and 24 years in. But he opened our eyes to techniques we'd never experienced and it kind of uh, got the best out of us and got the best out of the songs. A hundred percent backed. Uh, as we as we wind this down, Ben, because I want to let you get to your pizza, man. Um, yeah, no worries. You know, I uh, I I think of these things sometimes as a person involved with critique, and I interview a lot of bands. You know, uh, I find myself returning a lot to the music of my youth and my childhood, the stuff that first inspired me to be yeah. to be involved in yeah. music. And I think in some ways, Orange Goblin has been that band for a lot of people that they return to, um, which yeah. I think is unique and interesting. Thing you know that you obviously we're all inspired by something at the beginning, and then now you yourself are a, have a legacy band, especially in the, the UK doom scene and heavy you know heavy metal scene. So that's nice of you to say. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. But I I was gonna say, do you, what uh, music are you fond of that you still return to from youth and childhood? Um, me personally, I've I've always been kind of very open minded to music, and that was born out of the records that my mum and dad used to play me as a, as a kid. I mean, my mum was really into Motown and used to play a lot of kind of Gladys Knight and the Pips and uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes and Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 and all that stuff, so Stevie Wonder. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up loving that stuff. I still do. I still listen to it. Uh, I like nothing more than going to Gladys Knight and the Pips on a Sunday morning to get myself going for doing some chores around the house. Um, my dad was more into kind of uh, Brit rock of his of his 
playing music to the Kinks and the Beatles and the Stones and the Who, and he sort of played all that. So, and you know, then I love stuff like Elton John, the singer songwriter stuff like Elton John. And, um, everything and then I went to school started discovering heavier stuff and then got into kind of like Guns N' Roses and Metallica and that, that was kind of a gateway to uh, Sabbath and Zeppelin and went, I kind of went back into the 70s and found Judas Priest and um, Big Purple and all that, all that kind of band and then obviously around 92, 93 I think I was getting into a uh, Dark Throne and Mayhem and Batteries and the whole thing. Let's go back to the original question. Yeah, the, the original music I like to say. I, I, last weekend I had a bit of time for myself and I went through the whole Beatles uh, in mono box set and just listened to all that record what that used to play when I was a kid. That's great, great music, great songs, and so influential, not just you know rock music, but pop music and everything in between. So. Right on. Are you a are you a late era Beatles guy or an early era Beatles guy? I'm I'm into both really. I obviously I love the late era stuff more as a kind of that's the sort of stoner rock kind of thing. The the drug dancers kind of I think Rubber Soul was where it started to go a little bit weird. But I also like the stuff on. I love to help out and cartel drive with the Beatles and I think they both have their, they're, they're almost like two completely different bands. So it's like, you know, the, the clean cut pop band, and then there was the band that, that discovered marijuana and acid and went off and did their completely different thing. So. But it's all, it's all great music, and it comes, they're one of those bands that, you know, have covered every sort of genre from, you got songs like Hell of Scale, which is almost heavy metal, right through to, like, Martha, my dear, on the piano, and, you know, classical music. And they do a bit of everything, they're just genius. And speaking of genius, Ben from Orange Goblin, a gentleman and a scholar of doom and heavy metal. Thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy your pizza. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank <laughs> and, you very much. And I will Cheers, see, you in a, I'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Nice one. Cheers, Keith. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.